This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? Hello, fine. Thank you for having me. Well, I suppose the big headline of the week was the latest U.S. inflation numbers and U.S. consumer price growth rose at the fastest pace in almost four decades. And that certainly has stoked the Fed's fears about the threat of elevated inflation and its consequences for the economic recovery. That CPI number, 7%. The consensus estimate was 7.1%. And and I think there was... Uh, some some traders that were anticipating that we could have even gone as high as 7.2. Uh, so so I, I think there was a, a clear reaction to the market that that it wasn't as bad as expected. Uh, but still, it, it shows you that uh, inflation remains um, elevated and that we're probably a couple more, more months away from the peak um, with inflation in the U.S. Incredible, isn't it? If you said somebody, what, three years ago, inflation is going to be at 7% and it's going to rise even further. People wouldn't have believed you. And I think the, the big takeaway is when you take a look at inflation at 7% uh, and you take a look at interest rates here in, in the U.S., we're you know, near zero, um, and growth expectations for, for 2022 is at oh, slightly above 4%, let's say, um, that that spells policy mistake. So, uh, so, so um, you, you're seeing a market that is uh, still um, somewhat upbeat on risky assets. That's why equities are. Um, it's it's a mixed story. Um, uh, you know, tech has been um, getting pummeled, um, and, and that's mainly because uh, there is you know, obviously, this belief that uh, interest rates have to go higher, and and. Uh, that has really always been a drag for tech stocks, but I, I think you know we're, we're getting uh, you know close to the end of of you know this current surge in in uh, um, treasury yields, and I think that you know, we're we're getting closer to a potential uh, short term bottom here. And uh, I, I think there's still optimism that um, you know you, you're not going to continue to see uh, U.S. equities make a big push towards fresh record highs if, if tech continues to plunge. So uh, I think there's still uh, a lot of investors that, yes, they're rotating to the cyclical rotation, value trade, um, but still tech has to be a big part of the story. And you're going to probably see that a lot of traders are salivating at some of these um, pullbacks that we've seen with some of the, the high flyers. When you say policy mistake, though, Ed, are you suggesting the Fed just hasn't acted uh, soon enough in terms of raising rates. Is that the big problem? Because we're not in a very natural situation with coronavirus. You're nearly two years old now. Uh, you could hardly blame uh, policymakers for being you know, on you know, a very, very difficult situation where they don't know really which way to go because they're, on the one hand, scared of hitting the recovery. On the other... Um, they're thinking, well, perhaps raising rates won't make any difference to the cost of living and inflation because there are many external factors, energy prices and uh, you know, the labor problem and so on. Um, you can, it, it is a very, very odd situation. It's not like the inflation of the 70s or even, you know, just 10, 15 years ago. It's a very unusual set of circumstances. Uh, I think that uh, 
um, you know, the unprecedented response to the pandemic, uh, Fed gets an A plus. Um, I, I think the problem is that um, as as the U.S. Um, had their vaccine rollout and it was pretty clear uh, that, um, you know, every American that wanted a vaccine um, had the ability to get it. Um, and, you know, there's a still, a, you know, big part of the population that doesn't want it. Um, and, and, and that we're, we're at a level where, you know, the country has people who want the vaccine, they're protected. The people that don't want the vaccine, they're, you know, already living their life. So the economy is ready to return to normal. And that's been the case uh, before Omicron. And it really has been the case throughout Omicron. Um, and, and, and I think that what you're seeing is what was the benefit that these latest, you know, th these last few months uh, or several months of uh, these asset purchases that the Fed was doing uh, to the economy? Um, you know, the, the, the Fed, the Fed was overly uh, stimulating the economy. They needed to be uh, starting to pull back once we started to see that the the economy was gaining traction, that we were uh, starting to win the war against COVID. Uh, and, and and the problem is that now they're scrambling. And I think that the the market um, is is uh, always concerned about a Fed policy mistake. And now you're seeing that. Um, the Fed is 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 now trying to make up for a big delay in in in, in tackling inflation, and, and now that is going to possibly uh, force them to deliver faster rate hikes. And in addition to that, um, um, a rushed balance sheet runoff. So I, I think that in an ideal world, what the Fed would have done was they would have finished their their QE uh, you know wind down you know not waiting till March, but that would have been done by the end of last year, and that they could have uh, started raising rates already. Um, but I mean, it, the, the Fed is the Fed is, I think, you know, whether or not they're they, they missed raising rates by a few months, that's, I think, still, the economy is going to be able to handle that. And um, I, I think that in the end, that you're, you're probably going to see that there is strong optimism here, that uh, there there's still belief that after the second quarter, a lot of these supply chain issues, bottlenecks are going to ease up and, uh, and, and, and that the economy should still be fairly, fairly in a, in a, in a good place. Um, I, I, I think, I think the Fed though right now is there, you know, there, there, there's a chorus of Fed speakers that are now supporting, you know, that March could be uh, the time to go ahead and, and, and raise rates. And, and uh, every, I think everyone is, is pricing that in. I think uh, financial markets uh, the, uh, have it at over 90% right now. And the balance sheet runoff question is, is probably going to be answered sometime closer to the summertime. And that chorus of Fed members, open to that March rate hike, followed Jerome Powell's speech on Tuesday. And he said that inflation represents a severe threat to the economy. And the Fed has plans to raise rates more than expected if price rises don't level off. I mean, what sort of numbers are we predicting now for 2022? I think when you take a look at um, some of the other factors that really drive inflation right now, I think there, there there should be optimism that you know we are getting close to the peak. I think the the producer prices uh, index that showed core PPI um, 
possibly peaked already. Um, when you take a look at China's factory prices, that rose more slowly than expected in December. And that that's a that's a leading indicator for the U.S. because the Chinese goods or the U.S. companies use to make products. So there's there's optimism that um, you know some of this inflation could be slowing um, 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 right now. And and if, if softer inflation uh, continues, then uh, that 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 is a welcome sign um, for for all policymakers. Um, so so I, so I, I'm anticipating that we we will probably have I think CPI. Um, We'll will will likely um, have another month or two of seven percent uh, readings, low seven percent readings, and then um, we'll, we we should anticipate that uh, um, uh, I think um, we'll we'll start to slowly slowly decline, um, and and uh, in in addition, addition to that, I think that um, you're 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 likely to see that there is a, a lot of emphasis too on, on what we're going to see on the fiscal side of things because there has been um, a major setback on the the, uh, the White House where uh, build back better uh, seems like it's become build back never as as Senator Manchin and and uh, President Biden don't seem nowhere close to um, reaching an agreement now on that 1.8 trillion dollar uh, last stimulus bill, and and I think the problem is the fear is that Senator Manchin's a conservative Democrat, and I think the fear is that another 1.8 trillion dollars is just going to fuel inflation, and this is not going to um, um, sit well with with Manchin's camp, and uh, I think uh, you're you're we're now becoming less confident that. We're going to get a significant uh, package here, so um, there's there's uh, some some risks to some of the growth outlook and and how will the economy perform um, now that we're no longer getting we're getting a much less accommodative Fed because remember even when the Fed raises rates by 25 basis points rates are still low this is still supportive of of uh, economic growth. Um, so, so I, I think you know it's going to take the Fed a long time to get to neutral, and, and that might take a couple of years. Uh, so, so, so the economy was still going to have, um, um, I think, a good amount of support here, and that's why um, um, you know, I'm, I'm still fairly optimistic for U.S. equities for the rest of the year. It's just going to be, uh, I think, a very choppy first quarter as everyone tries to grapple with um, figuring out whether or not is it three rate hikes. Some people are targeting four. And five, and more importantly, though, the balance sheet runoff, how aggressive will that be in the summertime? Meanwhile, it's earnings season, of course, and we've had some interesting results over the last uh, 24 hours. I suppose the most noticeable was the figures from JP Morgan, which were down 5%. Citigroup disappointed as well. Uh, Wells Fargo, actually more positive. But what was your impression? particularly from those J.P. Morgan figures? I think J.P. Morgan uh, really uh, surprised a lot of investors. Uh, the, the, the CFO uh, lowered their guidance on, and on headwinds, including wage inflation. Uh, it, it turns out that uh, you know, the, the largest bank for the U.S. Uh, uh, is really battling higher expenses. And uh, this whole fear of wage inflation um, is, is really disrupting the uh, um, uh, the outlook for J.P. Morgan, and uh, when you throw that with some um, softer trading numbers, um, you know analysts were were uh, a little bit uh, 
disapp we're disappointed here. And, and uh, that's why you're seeing uh, JP Morgan take a big hit. And we have to remember too, financials um, have been the beneficiary of surging uh, treasury yields. You know, the 10 year was, you know, it, it, in just uh, the last couple of months, it, it's seen a big move from like the 140s to you know, almost hitting 180. So um, financials have really outperformed. So this is a clear opportunity for profit taking. Um, you know, does, does this alter or change the you know long-term view for, for JP Morgan? Not really. Um, I think there's a lot of positives. Um, I think, uh, some of the key takeaways is that Diamond is, uh, you know, he signaled that uh, he's still optimistic on the U.S. consumer. I think there's still a lot of reasons to to um, anticipate that um, while, yes, these expenses are, are are concerning that, you know, this. I, th I think that, you know, J.P. Morgan is still uh, a, a bank that is, is is nicely positioned as as they'll they, they have several different revenue streams. And, and as far as M&A goes, as far as um, uh, uh, trading activities, um, they're they're you know they're they're well diversified, and, and lending activity is what is is another area where they're probably going to continue to to benefit from. Um, they're they're benefiting you know from those healthy mortgages, and and uh, overall, J.P. Morgan though this is um, for a lot of investors, uh, it will probably trigger a buy the dip opportunity. But um, obviously, it's it's sell the news um, after those. Um, uh, disappointing um, comments on on uh, just rising expenses and which is predominantly a wage inflation story. And Ed, before we look to the week ahead, I wanted to quickly ask you about the latest on Dogecoin, which uh, values of which soared more than twelve percent uh, today. Now that is after uh, Elon Musk. Uh, uh, his company Tesla has started to allow people to buy brand merchandise using Dogecoin, which I'm, you know, I can remind listeners started initially as a bit of a joke. Uh, uh, Elon Musk announced this uh, on Twitter, of course, uh, earlier today. Uh, he had hinted of these plans, but um, it's uh, quite a significant uh, price rise from Dogecoin just after a fairly uh, lackadaisical comment from him, in a sense, just because about merchandise. Very much so, and I think a lot of a lot of people um, when they cover cryptos, it's uh, Dogecoin uh, has has interestingly been uh, a coin that um, um, it attracted uh, many Elon Musk loyalists, and it, for the for the most part, uh, it never really. Uh, gained much momentum after Musk, you know, decided to back it. Um, uh, as far as um, increased usage, it, it, it never, there was never really any breakthroughs. Still, you saw Solana, Polkadot, um, even Cardano um, show better gains in, 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 in usage. Um, but there, there we have it, uh, you know, uh, merchandise purchases. Uh, uh, yes, Dogecoin, uh, you know, did benefit from that, um, and and its market cap now up to 24 uh, billion. So it, it's it's still a it's now a top it's a top 11 crypto um, just behind Polkadot, which is to me stunning. Um, and and I think it goes to show you the influence that Musk still has. Um, but uh, it, it 
it, it also coincides with uh, also a, a broader, uh, you know, rally in the crypto space. And, and uh, right now, this is a very difficult environment um, environment for for all cryptocurrencies. Uh, you're seeing investors uh, really um, diversify away from cryptocurrencies and going into metaverse bets. They're they're uh, buying NFTs. They're they're um, they're 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 buying new avatars, skins for different video games, and and there's so many different types of uh, NFT spinoffs that you're seeing that uh, that space has seen the explosive growth that we're used to seeing with cryptocurrency values. Uh, so so uh, the market, I mean, and I think it's important to remember that, uh, you know, probably 98% of these NFTs are going to become worthless. Um, um, so, 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 uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the money is just being shuffled around in NFTs. Um, but uh, I, I think ultimately, uh, there's still a lot of uh, institutional holders that are interested in, in long-term bets that, you know, some of these blockchain technologies are going to be powered by these coins, and, and that's going to provide real uh, world um, use and applications that are going to revolutionize some industries and I, and I know a lot of retail uh, consumer companies are, are are you know focusing on these markets now so uh, it's interesting to see exactly how um, this space will evolve but uh, I, I think that uh, the interest is still there but it's just spreading into other aspects of, of crypto related investments so it's uh, becoming a lot more harder to cover but uh, I, I think uh, the dogecoin story is interesting but uh, I don't Anticipate that is going to give it um, any any other uh, legs higher here as far as that 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 particular coin. Let's look ahead to the week ahead. And what are the outstanding highlights that we should look out for as far as you're concerned? Well, I think the, the main event is is going to be China. We we have a, a wrath of data. Uh, um, the main event uh, for a lot of traders is going to be uh, Chinese GDP. It's it's expected to go below four percent. Um, that is uh, is is I think for a lot of traders uh, um, likely to to spur some action from from the PBOC. Um, production figures are also expected to flatline retail sales and fixed asset investments. Spending is, um, I think, sputtered towards into year end. So the the, the message to to policymakers uh, is uh, an easy one. Um, the economy needs support. Um, we're coming to the Olympics. We have lockdowns in place. Uh, the, 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 there needs to be more action. That's why you're probably going to see China will probably trim their uh, one-year medium-term lending facility rate. Um, you're, you're probably see like a five basis point at its mid uh, January option operation um, so so I think there's there's op, op, you know expectations China's going to act and uh, China's going to be a big big focal point um, um, I think uh, for, for uh, next week um, the Bank of Japan has a policy meeting too they're they're uh, they're you know obviously I think since we've started uh, these podcasts, uh, they're going to keep policy unchanged. Um, but uh, they, they might uh, uh, do a little uh, adjusting on their inflation forecasts. Um, so that's that's going to be uh, where, where traders will fo- focus on. Um, with uh, uh, When you take a look at what's happening in Europe, uh, euro area consumer prices is a, a, a big reading. Um, 
those are expected to to rise above um, five percent from a year earlier. Uh, so that could be the highest um, for the region since the inception of the euro. Um, and then also we'll have the the meeting minutes for uh, the ECB, um, which will uh, definitely um, be heavily uh, reviewed. Um, and I think that you're you're going to see exactly how policymakers were um, uh, assessing the persistently high pricing pressures that have been in place. Um, for the UK inflation figures, that's going to be the, the the main event on on Wednesday. I think. Uh, they're expected to, to hold steady in December. That's uh, before peaking in April at around 6.5%. Um, and and uh, I think uh, for rate decisions, Turkey, uh, this is an interesting one because, you know, I, I, the unorthodox policy of following what President Erdogan wants, and, and uh, they've delivered over 500 basis points of rate cuts in four consecutive meetings. Uh, this meeting, um, economists are expecting them to keep rates steady. With Turkey, it's a wild card. You can never expect them to just keep rates steady if, if Erdogan is still pushing for rate cuts. So that's going to be an important one to pay attention to. And uh, I can't forget... Uh, What's happening in the U.S. But uh, we we have a, a blackout period for the Fed speakers um, because of the the policy decision later in the month. So um, quite on the Fed front, uh, but the data will be heavily on housing activity uh, that's supposed to slightly soften existing home sales, building permits, and uh, also uh, jobless claims will is expected to a little improve a little bit. Uh, this week, we saw a little bit of a, a spike higher. And with respect to the main focal point for a lot of traders, it's going to be earnings season. We have uh, Netflix, Procter & Gamble. I think Procter & Gamble will be interesting to see, to see if uh, they're still getting price increases and whether or not they're going to continue to pass them to the consumer. So that could really provide more insight on the inflation story going beyond the first quarter, which um, would really impact some people's theories on on whether or not inflation will peak, if the peak will be in the next couple months or not. Okay, Ed, we wish you a very good weekend and look forward to speaking to you again same time next week. Looking forward to it too. Thank you, Johnny. This is the Oanda Podcast.